Okay, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2 if you have your Bible, if you have your iPad, if you have your iPhone, if you have your eyeballs, you can just, you can, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2, and uh, we're going to talk about Christmas for the next couple weeks here. Next few weeks, we're going to return to the story, the narrative of the scriptures, the story of Christmas, God's great story of him coming to the earth. And here we pick up, today we're going to pick up the story and we're going to talk about gifts. And we're going to talk about um, giving gifts, receiving gifts. And if you think about the story of Jesus, you think about your little nativity set you might have at home, there are some people who brought some gifts and those were the wise men, the magi, and, and Matthew 2 describes them here uh, as we pick up the story in verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, this may or may not be a familiar passage to you, but the Magi from the East, wise men, some would call them kings, came to worship the Christ child. They followed a star, and they, and they were looking for this Messiah. Um, <clears throat> now, I don't want to ruin your nativity set, but they weren't really at the stable, <laughs> Right? They actually came later. They weren't at the stable. Shepherds were at the stable, um, and, the, and then the wise men came later. Um, traditionally, we kind of look at them as three kings or three wise men, but really, could, it could have been anywhere between one and 30. could have been up to 30 wise men or people who were coming to worship the Messiah, the king who would be born. And so verse 11 says, they gave him gifts. Mary and Joseph are there at their home now, and they show up at, at their home, and they offer them gifts. And I want you to notice what they gave Jesus. Gold. Gold was a gift for kings. It was representative of a king. Frankincense was an, was an incense given to deities, offered to deities, so they were, they were offering this frankincense and myrrh, which, interestingly enough, myrrh is a burial spice. A burial spice. And so I want you to see that they were giving these gifts to Jesus in a manner prophetically declaring what his life was going to be about. That he would be a king. That, that, he, would, that he was God coming to the earth and that he would give his life and be buried and be raised again. And, and so there's this, this, in a sense, prophesying over him with the giving of the, his, these gifts. And so I want to talk to you today about what it looks like to give God a gift at Christmas. What does it look like to give God a gift at Christmas? And it's not what you're thinking, right? It's fun and appropriate for us to ask this question because I always think it's interesting. We, Christmas comes, it's Jesus' birthday, but we get all the presents. And so I, I, think, I think we gotta stop and ask about giving God a present and, um, and what that might look like. 
If you think about gift giving, I think it's a challenge for all of us. I mean, you know, you're trying to give just the right gift for that someone, right? That's what all of the marketing is based on, right? This is that special someone and giving the, just the precise gift. Listen, have you ever gotten a gift that you hated? Have you ever, have you ever re-gifted a gift that you hated? <laughs> Listen, it's a deal. It's a, it's a thing. And, and I, think, I think people getting gifts that they don't really like is really a funny thing at Christmas. Jimmy Kimmel does this, does this little thing where he, he gets parents to give their kids terrible presents and then films them. <laughs> it's so funny. Let's watch it here. <laughs> Where'd you... Where'd you... Charlie... What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? No. What are you doing? Pushing it. Okay. Wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. What do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. You don't want that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'll eat it! I'll eat it! Open it up. You didn't want that for Christmas? It's smelling good. She's gonna get hair. Are you happy? Do you like your Christmas present? I. 
Oh my gosh. I love it. It's so awesome. Listen, gift giving can be difficult. But I think it's especially difficult when we ask ourselves what we should give to God. What do you give to God who has everything? You think to yourself, okay, I know. I'll give him, I'll give him my legacy offering. Here's the funny thing. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't need your money personally, right? He has plenty, right? What is, what is, what is so interesting about, and when we give to him, what we're, what we're doing is we're giving to him to give it away. It's good for us and it's good for the people who we will give it to and minister to as a result of it. But, but he doesn't need it personally. He, he has pavement that's made of gold, so it doesn't matter. Um, he doesn't, he, 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 you think to yourself, okay, I know what I'll give him. I'll give him my heart. Give him my heart. Interestingly enough, he made your heart. <laughs> he made it. He, he has it. He, there, there's a, he could take it if he wanted it, right? Because it's, it's his. He, you belong to him in reality. And life is about discovering that you belong to him. And so it's not really your heart. Um, the Apostle Paul actually said it this way. He said in Romans eleven thirty three to 36, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has ever, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him for from him, through him, and for him are all things. And so giving God a gift can be really tough on us. And there's a couple of ways we think about this. Some, sometimes we think about giving him like, oh, we just need to give him our best. But often I fear that we kind of give him the leftovers. But neither one are what, are what he's really concerned about. There's one thing. Let's just think about this. There's one thing. One thing that he doesn't already have that God doesn't already have, and he didn't create it. And he wants it from you. One thing that he doesn't have, he didn't create it, but he wants it. I've been quizzing my staff with it all week, and every time I bring it up, nobody, they can't guess. You want to know what it is? One thing, he, doesn't, he didn't create it, he doesn't have it, but he wants it from you. Here it is, ready? He wants it from me. It's my sin. He wants your sin. Like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 wait, no, no, wait a minute. He sent Jesus so he could get rid of sin because he hates it so bad. You're misunderstanding what's really going on with God. Like, you're missing the point if that's how you think about it. He wants the only thing you can really give him that he doesn't have you bring your messed up, dirty, unclean, sinful, pitiful life to him. And he says, oh, I don't have one of these. <laughs> I really, you, I mean, this is so thoughtful of you. This is so fantastic. I mean, I've, I've never had one like this. This is incredible. I'm so grateful that you were willing to give your messed up, pitiful, sinful, horrible life to me. He loves it. He loves it. See, 
we often think, oh, we got to clean ourselves up to come to him. Oh, I want to be a Christian, so I got to get myself all together. I got, I got to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm presenting the best and I'm giving everything. Listen, that's not how the gospel works. Even whatever your righteousness could be, whatever good things you could do, the Bible calls them filthy rags. See, the way, the way the message of the good news works is you bring whatever you have. As messed up as it is, all the hidden secrets, all the foolishness of your past, and you give it to him, and then he takes it, and he gives you, he offers you something else in exchange. The Bible says that God delights to show mercy. The best part of God's day is when you come to him and you're, 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 you realize that you're not already perfect, but you're completely imperfect, and you bring your imperfect self to him, and you say, God, I give myself to you. Make me into your child, your son, your daughter. Make me into something that I can't do for myself. I can't make myself into it. Many of us think we kind of have to put on our best and church is a place where we come and we, we're like, you know, all the formalities and all the stuff. You, you know, you come in, you see the greeters and you're like, hi, hi, hey, how's it going today? Oh, good, yeah, great. Praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> no, this, this like, they, they, like, we wear all these masks and it's, it, Jesus doesn't want anything to do with that stuff. He wants what's really inside. He wants the hidden stuff. And so, when we come to church, I think we have to see that the message of Christmas is about giving something to God that he doesn't have, that he didn't create, but he really wants it. My wife and I were in a season of life several years ago. It was just so hectic. We had five kids, 12 and under. And for a few years there, we needed a house cleaner just to keep up. So we hired a little house cleaner to help us. And they, she would come uh, every week or every other week. And, um, and it was such a blessing because our house was total chaos. So, she, so, so she's coming to clean. On the day that she would be coming to clean, I would find Amy doing what? I was like, babe, why are you clean? You're, we, we've hired somebody to do this for you. And she would say these words. I can't let her see it like this. This is how we treat God. I can't let him see it like this. No, that's exactly what he wants. He wants the real deal. He wants the whole thing. He says, oh, I don't have that. You're so thoughtful. Thank you. And then just like a... Just like a, a, a good host or a hostess, right, who, like it's Jesus' birthday, and so you, you come and you give him something, then, then he has a gift he wants to give back to you, a little party favor, right? I think during this Christmas season, you and I should take a moment and give Jesus everything. During this Christmas season, there should be a moment where you just bow your head, you come before him, and you say, here's my sin, here I am, here's my marriage, here's my week, here's my habits, here's my 2017, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm, I'm literally going to give you this for Christmas.
The great evangelist Billy Graham used to sing a song at the end of his crusades, and it would be, just as I am. And so, what are the gifts that Jesus gives back to us? When we do this, he has, a, just like a good host, he, he has something for you. And I want to highlight three of them. The first one that he gives back to you is he gives you and me salvation. When you give him everything, when you give him all that you are, when you bring the mess, he gives you salvation. And this is a gift for your past. This is a gift for where you've come from. This is a gift to deal what's be, with what's behind you. This is, a, this is a gift to deal with the problem of your yesterdays, the struggle that is your life. And some of you are here this morning, and you're carrying around this agony of the past, and there's, there's things that haunt you from the past, and you're even here carrying it around, but he's come to save you, to deliver you, to rescue you. This is a gift of forgiveness that wipes away your past. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. He gave you a gift. I love the, the great classic by Charles Dickens. It's called A Christmas Carol, and it's, you've, you've probably seen it on TV, and maybe you've even read it, but um, I want to read a little passage from it. Scrooge has returned home uh, on Christmas Eve and is visited by Jacob Marley, and, who died seven years earlier, and begins to talk about what's coming in the ghost of Christmas past. And uh, when the frightening specter of Marley's ghost confronts the miserly Ebenezer Scrooge, he's weighed down with a long, heavy chain. And he describes it this way. He says, it was long and wound about him like a tail, and it was made, for Scrooge observed it closely, of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel. When Scrooge inquired about the chain, Marley replied, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will and of my own free will I wore it. And then Marley asked Scrooge, is it, a, is it a, its pattern strange to you or would you know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It was as full and heavy as, and as long as the seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on it since and it is a ponderous chain. I wonder what chains you forged or are forging in your life today. There's a story about Jacob Marley going into the next life and carrying all these things. What, what chains are you forging in your life and carrying burdens? The miracle of Christmas is that you and I are not doomed to wear them. The, the past doesn't have to lock you into a hopeless future. It's hard for me to understand when people don't get this. It's like some people, they're like, oh, I came to the Lord 30 years ago, and I've been miserable ever since. It's like this, I, I surrendered, like it's so terrible. Yeah, what happens when you surrender is something else comes to you. No doubt the surrender is challenging, but as you, as you offer him just what you have. 
your will. Something else comes in, a freedom, a life, a joy, a peace. That's what Christmas is. That's what it's about. It's like, well, I gave it to God. No, I gave it to God, and then he gave me something so much better. That's what the story is. Some of you are like, I know that's true, but life doesn't feel that way right now. I get that. I think we have to really understand that God doesn't just give us salvation. He gives us a second gift. And that second gift, he gives us peace of mind. Peace in our minds. Peace in our soul. If salvation is a gift for my past, then this is a gift for my present. This is a gift for right now. This is a gift for what's happening to you right now. It's a gift for some of you today because even while we were worshiping, it was hard for you to participate because you're just carrying burdens, the difficulties in your life. I totally get that because it can get heavy. It can get weighed down. It can be so challenging, so many problems, so many issues that's happened to me. You know, and I, I, I carry them, right? And then I hear the Lord saying to me, how you doing with all that? <laughs> I carry them. He wants them. He's like, you got that covered? <laughs> I'm like, no. Here. He gives me a gift, and it's peace of mind. If you have turmoil in your mind right now, it probably comes from one of three areas. One of three places. Here's the first one. The first one would be guilt. You're carrying around something from your past that Jesus wants to erase for you. And you're just carrying it around, trying to, trying to deal with it. Bring it to Jesus. Jesus paid for that thing himself. And this is really the thing that God wants you to get. If he sent Jesus into the earth 33 years came as a baby, grew up, did signs and wonders and miracles to represent and illustrate who God is, what he wants to do with humanity, how he wants to bring joy and peace into their lives. And then he gave his, his life on a cross and he was buried in a tomb, but then he was raised again three days later. If he went to all that trouble, don't you think you should receive it from him? Don't you think, don't you think the gift of salvation and then the gift of Peace of mind should come, you should just take it, you should receive it. The second thing that often causes this turmoil is grief because you're mourning the loss of something or someone. And listen, that is part of the life that we're living is occasionally we go through incredible grief processes when we lose things. Jesus has peace for you in the midst of your grief this Christmas. Some of you are missing Loved ones, Christmas reminds you of them, and then it, it, it kind of gets sad. There is peace that transcends understanding for your heart and your soul. Grudges is the third one. People hold grudges. You hold grudges against people, and, and, and uh, uh, so you hold issues in your heart about what people have done, and you hold that. But here's what John 14, 27 says. Jesus said it himself. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift Peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. The world can't give you this kind of peace. So don't be troubled or afraid, Jesus says. There's a gift God wants to give you, peace of mind, peace in your soul, peace in your heart. The world can't give it. You won't find it in pills and bottles. 
It only comes from him. So you can carry the guilt, you can carry the grief, you can carry the grudges, or you can place them under the tree, the cross of Jesus. Jesus hung on a tree for you and for me. And you can take these things and lay them under, under the tree and give them to him. And he'll give you peace. He gives you a gift for your past. He gives you a gift for your present. And then he gives you a gift for your future. Number three, he gives me eternal life. Eternal life. This is a gift for my future. This is a gift for what is coming. The truth is uncertainty is what plagues most of us. Uncertainty, fear of the future. What's going to happen to me? It's not really yesterday. It's not even the present sometimes. It's tomorrow that freaks you out for some of you. It's like you're freaked out about the uncertainty of what's going to happen. You look around and you, you watch the news too much. Turn it off. It's not helping. You see the chaos that's everywhere and you're like, oh my goodness, what is happening to our world? If you keep letting the world invade your life like that, it's incredibly uncertain. It's incredibly uncertain. You and I have to find the gift. We have to receive the gift that God wants to give us for our future. This is all temporary. What we're experiencing right now, I, I talked about this in the Legacy Series, how you're gonna, you and I are going to live 70, 80, 90. I'm pushing for 100. I'm going for 100. Sure. I'm going to go for 100. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some really good supplements but the <laughs> the thing is so you live a hundred years if you're a christian if you believe in jesus if you believe in what jesus did what you're saying is i believe in an eternity and the life you live here is a fraction a tiny little space of time compared to the life you're going to live in eternity now the, the thing is here's what you do here matters there that's why we just gave in that offering. That's why, we, that's why we need to give ourselves away. What we do here actually matters there. But if you don't even believe, if you don't receive the gift of eternal life, you won't live it out here and you won't expect it there. You'll try to get all you can here because nothing's coming. Right? This is the problem. I, know, I, I feel like I know a lot of people who would call themselves Christians, but they don't really believe in eternal life because they don't live like it matters. They don't really live in a way that says Jesus will come as the judge. They don't really live in a way, right? So, but he gives a gift, and this gift is so wonderful. It is confidence. It is hope. It is trust. It is eternal life. God says, I have a gift for you, and it's for your future. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's eternal life. Look, you can settle your future. You don't have to live in fear. You can settle your future. Now, I know this is a, I know this is a simple Christmas message, but I think it's the story of Christmas. It is the message of the season and sometimes we don't, we don't need to go over, you know, hear, hear about new things that we've never heard before. We need to revisit the ancient paths. We need to revisit the, the story 
of what we carry as gifts in our lives, and we want other people to receive these gifts. I, I, God, God wants you to know you can come with every mess that you've got in your life, and you can come to him with your messed up life. He doesn't go, all right, give it here. All right, fine. All right, that's okay. Come on, give it to me. He's not saying that. As soon as you give him your life, he's like, oh, this is so wonderful. This is so amazing. I've always wanted that. It's the perfect gift. Thank you, thank you. Listen, God does not tolerate you. He loves you. God is not mad at you. He wants to give you good gifts. Most of our lives are lived trying to help us convince our flawed mind and our, our experiences and trying to convince us that God is trying to give you and I good gifts. And when we, when we have, when we reach out by faith and we say, yes, okay, I'm going to take this, then you're con- you can settle your yesterdays. You can have peace for what is happening today You can have confidence and hope that God holds your tomorrows in his hands. He's got all three presents for you. I want you just to close your eyes right here. We're going to come to the Lord's table. I'm going to pray for you for a moment, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer together. But I want you to to consider coming to this table, because the table is something that Jesus set for you and for me. On the very first Lord's Supper. He invited the disciples to share it with him. And when he came, he began to break bread and he shared it with them. And as he did, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it and remember me. He passed the cup around and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant something really amazing here. I want you to take this and drink it, and every time you do, remember me. See, the Lord's Supper, the the table of the Lord, is a place of communion and a place of exchange. (laughs) You, You come and you bring yourself to the table, and then he provides for you. Would you receive his gift today? Oh, I know. You may have prayed a prayer before, but today would you receive his gift?